Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's get in the Word this morning. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 starts out like this. It says, therefore, everyone say therefore. And what I know is if you see a therefore, you need to find out what it's there for, right? It's referring to something that was previous. And so even though I'm talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I would be amiss if I didn't reach back into 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to say that 1 and 2 Corinthians, these are letters to the Corinthian church. It might not actually be two letters. This could be as many as five or six or eight or more letters combined together. Um, theologians debate that. Um, we just have them combined into two. So we'll say it, it, at least there was two. And uh, sometimes the Corinthian church, man, they, they got a little excited and got things kind of upside down and backwards and whatever. I, I always say that if you're a, a spirit-filled church, a charismatic Pentecostal church, you should read through Corinthians at least once a month um, because, man, they got, sometimes they got strange, but boy, they love Jesus. And if you look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he starts off by saying, are we beginning to commend ourselves again or do we, or do we need, as some of you do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? He's saying, are we going to get formal about this where you need a letter of recommendation? And this was way more important back in, in these times when they, you, know, you couldn't look someone up on Facebook to see what kind of person they were. Right? I know when, when I was in school and I found out I was going to have a professor, I would look up that professor on Facebook, see what kind of person they were. Most people check out our church before they show up. Like, who's the pastor there? And would creep your Instagram for a while, see what kind of person. You know, this is what they're saying. Like, do we need to do this, start over and see who we are? And this is what he says. This is what I love. He says, listen, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. Like, I don't need the letter. You're my letter. You're, you're my proof of authenticity. And show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not in ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. And, and this, is, this is what I love, is, is he's, he's kind of referencing like Moses and, and the Mosaic Law and all that, the Ten Commandments were written on stone and everything. And, and he's saying, look, this is not about what's written on stone tablets like the Old Testament Law or even letters, even New Testament letters written in ink. But this is about what is written on your hearts. And so my first question for you this morning is what is written on your heart? What is written on your heart? Like, like are you the kind of person that, people can hold up and say, no, you're my letter of recommendation. And that, I think that's why disciple making is such an important deal is, is we're supposed to pull people into our lives 
and, and invest in them and then hold them up as here's someone I'm discipling. Some of us are scared to do that. But that's like, like that's Paul's whole mode of ministry. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I'm going to put this out to you today is that you're supposed to be the kind of person that you can pull some people in close to you, a small group of friends, and say, look, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, Paul, he's also an apostle, which today we're not, I don't see any apostles in the room. You might be, I don't know. But he's talking into an entire church, an entire region, an entire city that he's invested in. And I love it because... Like, this word is so valuable and it's so true and it's such the living and active word of God. For it to be just a book that sits on our nightstand or, or sits on our coffee table, whatever, just to look nice. I mean, I guess we don't do that anymore, but I remember my grandma, she would have this giant family Bible that would sit on her coffee table and you weren't allowed to touch it because it was decorative. That is a bad use of a bible it's just decoration so people think i'm spiritual no let's read that thing when we go on he he's talking about the spirit giving life and 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 there's this whole section in second corinthians 3 where he talks about an event that happened with moses and so if you remember in the old testament exodus you can look this up moses goes up the mountain to meet with god and he's up there for a while. And what's going up the mountain is so crazy and so strange like that the, the people of Israel are, are scared. They're all camped around the edge of the mountain. And they see all this going on and they think maybe God has just killed Moses. Like, and they're like, uh, we don't want any a part of that. And so they build themselves a little golden calf. Right? You guys know the story? And then Moses comes down. And he's like, what's this? And they're like, it just made itself. It's a thing that happened. And Moses gets mad because he has the word of the Lord that, on these tablets and he breaks them. And he ends up having to go back up the mountain again to get the word of the Lord. And what's crazy is he fasts for 40 days, comes down, gets mad, and goes back up and fasts again for 40 days. That's a lot of fasting. But he was sustained by God. Like, Think about this. You guys, some of you can't even wait till noon, right? Like, I got a pizza party coming in an hour and a half, right? And, and I'm telling you what, like, I'm ready for it now. And he's fasting for 40 days. Can you imagine, like, how God has to sustain you to be able to fast that long? And it's not like, well, maybe he had a snack after he broke the tablets and then went back up. I'm sorry, I don't think that would help much. Like, like God was doing something, and the point I want to make is what, what it says here in 1 Corinthians 3, is when he comes down the mountain the second time, something has happened to him to the point where his face has so much of the glory of God on it that people can't even look at him anymore. And he has to wear a veil over his face. He has to cover his face because people can't look him in the eye. Because he's been with God. Because he's been with God. And when I love it, it says this um, in, oh, let's go to verse, let's go to verse 12. 
We sang some of this this morning. In 2 Corinthians 3.12, it says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Say, we are very bold. Are you very bold? Are you very bold that you have the Spirit of God in you, that you are very bold? Not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For the, to this day when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ it is taken away. Yes, to this very day when Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, say the Lord, say the Lord, who's it talking about there? The Lord, which is Jesus, right? The veil is removed. Say removed. This is a good thing right here. Now, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's what we started singing this morning. I was getting excited. I was like, come on. Where the spirit of the Lord is, the veil is torn, it's gone. There is no veil. And we all, with unveiled face, behold the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is spirit. Therefore, everyone say therefore. Now we know what the therefore is there for. And this is what it says. Having a ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Say we do not lose heart. Okay, so this is like one word in the Greek that's do not lose heart. And it actually means to, to have bad insides. It, it, it meant for them, that's the literal meaning, the figurative meaning in their day and age meant to be exhausted or faint. We do not lose heart or we do not get weary or we do not get faint or exhausted. How many have ever been exhausted? It's the same word, this do not lose heart, is the same word in the Greek where it says, do not grow weary in well-doing for you'll reap in due season if you faint not, right? Like, like, we do not lose heart. We do not get faint. Why? Be- because Jesus is fully revealed to us. Like, and man, I wish. So for me, yesterday was hard. Anybody have any hard days? One hand. It's okay to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to get up and talk about it. <laughs> um, let's see. Who can, like, for me yesterday was hard it was a really really hard day and and i kind of didn't surrender myself to the word yesterday um that's tough when you realize man i did that all wrong and um that stinks i i let myself get a little exhausted a little weary and you know when it turned when i set my mind on christ again and if you read, read back in, in chapter 3, what he said, like there's no veil there. Once you turn your mind, like the glory of God is revealed to you and boom, there's hope. Like it's that simple. It, it, it's like when we were just in worship a little bit ago. I was like, hey, he, seek him. Like it's not this thing where you have to make it so hard that like, oh, I have to really work up or really get myself really good. Like we know it's not works at all that allows us to enter in 
I mean, the reason the veil is torn, the reason the veil is removed has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with Him. All we have to do is look for Him. And so we, we do not lose heart. And it says this in verse 2, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with the Word of God. And, and I, I, I have this underlined in my Bible, or to tamper with the Word of God. How many know we live in a day and age where people want to tamper with the Word of God? People, it, what's it say? They have itching ears, right? Like, like we want it to say what it makes us feel good. And if it says something that we don't like, then we'll try to explain it away. Or do we let the word confront our hearts even when we don't like it? Here's my question for you. Which part of the Bible do you have a problem with? And what do you do to resolve that problem? Do you tamper with it? Or do you bend beneath the weight of the word? I think that's the greatest thing that any of us can do is just to bend beneath the weight of the word. And here Paul is reminding the Corinthians, like, I'm not changing anything. I love it. He says, but by the open statement of truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. He's saying it's very open and plain what we're doing. We're not trying to hide. We're not trying to put anything back. It's open. It's plain. Here it is. And can we live our lives that way in this open plainness of the truth of God. And then it says, even if this gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, to so the God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This light of the gospel is Jesus Christ. He is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. And with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is Lord. Like, basically what he's done is he's, he's, this is his most important statement in the entire letter. Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's in context of we're not going to tamper with the word. Everything's clear. The veil is removed jesus christ is lord that word lord means to have complete ownership he is the complete owner with all authority is he the complete owner of your life with all authority is his word so true to you that it has complete authority over your life, even the parts you disagree with. Well, I don't like it, but I guess it's what I got to do. That's a thing sometimes. You know, you do it to your kids. You're going to do this. Well, I don't like it. But then they, like, like remember Jesus told the story of the two sons? He said, hey, I need you to do something. One said yes and never did it. One said no, but then was obedient. Sometimes we say no, oh, got to do it, because the Lord said it. So who is really serving the Lord? Jesus Christ 
is Lord. He is completely the master. He's complete ownership of our lives, and we are his servants. And this is what I love. For the God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's going back to this situation. With, he's talking about Moses covering his face again. He's alluding back to that. But here's the deal. God who said, let there be light, wants to shine through you with his gospel. You guys realize how crazy light is. Like God says, let there be light, and light happens. You know, you know what's crazy is like, Sometimes the things, the things that should be the most amazing to us because, because we experience them all the time, because we're around them all the time, but they're not really special or important to us anymore. We, it's called, we call it taking it for granted, right? Um, I, like a summer or two ago, we went up to see Mount Rushmore. Pretty cool, right? You know who doesn't really care to go to Mount Rushmore? The people who live in the city right next to, door to Mount Rushmore, they're over it. They've seen it. It's not cool to them. It's a thing. We like the tourists that come through and spend money here, but Mount Rushmore itself, take it or leave it. It's there. It's because they're used to it, because they're around it all the time. You know what's really awesome? The sun. The big yellow thing up in the sky, well, it's white, but talk about that later but the sun is amazing like the science behind it and what it does and how crazy awesome it is and the life it brings like but all this like we're just like it's yeah it's the sun it's just it's just the sun you know what else is crazy this is probably off topic but like the sun and the moon and our sky look the same size which is like completely unique in the universe like like we've never discovered like how weird is that and it's because the sun is 400 times wider than the moon but it's also exactly 400 times further weird that is weird and then the moon can just perfectly cover up the sun and make an eclipse and just it's crazy one of the coolest things i ever saw it's going up and seeing eclipse there's another one in 2024 um, you have to go down to Jasper to see it. You should take off work and go ask off now. It's worth seeing. I'm telling you, I screamed like a little girl when it happened. I was like, oh, my goodness. It looks like I think the second of coming of Christ would look. It was so strange. Um, we take these things for granted. We take the sun for granted. But here it is. Like God says, let there be like an entire sun just starts pouring light into the universe. And the God that says, let there be light has shown in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He is trying to reveal himself to us through Jesus, is what it's saying. He's trying to reveal himself to us through Jesus. And this is why I got onto this section of scripture. It's because in verse 7 it says, but we, say, but we, Look at the person there next to you and say, but you, you have a treasure in jars of clay. Now, here's the thing about a jar of clay. This doesn't hold up in our culture. Like, like back in these times, when people said jars of clay, they would use this as 
as a way of saying something that's weak. Right? It was a common thing they would throw around, a phrase. Oh, it's a jar of clay. It means something that's weak. You know why? Because you can carry a jar of clay and then you drop it and pff, there it goes. It's broken. And what he's saying is, we have this glory of God who's shining on us with so much glory that like Moses had to cover up his face, but we're not going to cover up this face. And God's going to pour his light into us and it's going to be amazing. And we have all this treasure, but it's in this jar of clay. This weak and broken vessel. But why? To show that the power isn't from us. It belongs to God. It's not from us. Like, like how many have just felt beaten up sometimes? And then you just want to quit. I resigned church, the church yesterday. I don't know if any of you knew. I totally resigned at one point yesterday, and then I unresigned. It happens a lot. Um, not a lot, a lot. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying we quit sometimes, don't we? Right? We quit. And God's like, no. Listen, you're, you're weak, but this is what it says. It says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven down to despair, persecuted, not forsaken, struck down, not destroyed. And I, I want to go back. We are afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Those are all bad things that we are. How many have ever felt any of those things in the last week, month, year? Hi. Like, that's what brought me to this section of Scripture. It's because, like, that's what a jar of clay experiences. That's what a jar of clay experiences. Like, we're weak. We're broken. We, we get afflicted. We, we have problems. But here's the thing. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. Like, you're not crushed. And it's not because you being a really good jar of clay. It's because of the treasure that's inside. So if you're feeling afflicted, you need to make sure the treasure's inside so you don't get crushed. You feel perplexed, but, but you're not driven into despair, not because you're just a particular, like some of those jars of clay look really pretty. They really decorate them really well. It, it really doesn't matter how well you dress up your jar. It's not about the jar, it's about the treasure inside and i love it because he says we're always carrying in the body the death of jesus we're always carrying with us the death of jesus god it feels like i'm dying and that's exactly right like like john the baptist what he said he goes i must decrease he must increase i must decrease it feels like I'm dying. Great. There'll be less of you for people to, like, to get in the way of what Jesus is trying to shine through you. So we're carrying in us the death of Jesus so the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifested and our mortal flesh. So death is working in us, but life in you. And I think that's where I think that's where the rubber really meets the road on this this whole thing is is when I'm going through 
difficulties, when I'm going through hard times, when it feels like I'm dying, like, yay. That's, that's what it says in James. Consider joy when you face trials of many kinds. Like, I have really great news. Like, you're going to go through something hard and it's going to kill you. And Jesus then will be able to actually shine through. Like, that's what this whole passage sounds like. Like, if we can allow ourselves to truly die, as Paul would say in other places, he says to take up our cross and follow. Like, I die daily. Like, the more I can get this flesh weakened, the more I can get this jar of clay out of the way, the more the light of the treasure inside of me can be poured out around me. And so in verse 16, this is what he says. He says, Though the outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Our inner self can be renewed day by day. Come on, that's good. Like, like I, know, I know this isn't like the most insightful sermon in the whole world. I actually contemplated just reading all of 2 Corinthians from front to back this morning, and I was like, no, then they'll be like, he's just lazy. I'm like, I just really care about chapter 4 today, but, but, but this, is, this is meat and potatoes right here. Like, though your outer self is wasting away, the inner you can be renewed day by day. And, and that's what, like, I think that's where it really hit me yesterday was... <clears throat> Like, I ended up having to go to Home Depot at one point, and I was all in my bad mood, because that's spiritual. And the sales associate, or whatever they call themselves there, came up to me to help me, and the Lord was like, I wonder if they know me. I was like, leave me alone. Okay. If this is what we're going to do, let's do it. And so, trying to present the gospel, turns out this person totally knew Jesus and was on the worship team at their church. And I was like, Whew. and God was like, aren't you glad? And I was like, I see what you did there, and I understand why, and I'm sorry, and I will get glad in the same pants I got mad in, as my mom would always say. You know, that's like, can I tell you, just because you're going through a hard time or even because you're in a bad mood doesn't disqualify you from being a minister of the gospel. Like, he still wants to shine through you. Verse 17 says, For this light, momentary affliction. I, I love that. This is Paul, who had been through some of the worst persecution and afflictions of anyone. This guy had been through some stuff. And what does he call it? Light and momentary. Like I woke up this morning, my eyes popped open. And yesterday's bad day was just yesterday's bad day. What's that? It was just a light and momentary deal. Like, this light and momentary affliction is what? Is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond.
comparison. And what he's going to do here, and, and where's Tim, why don't you come up? Because I, I think I'm done. <clears throat> and we should do where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Because um, that was in my text, and I love it. <clears throat> he's saying, the slight and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. And what he's going to do in chapter 5 is, is he goes on with this letter, he's going to talk about like, like this is our earthly tent. Like this body we're living in, it's an earthly tent. It's a temporary dwelling. It's not permanent. This isn't permanent. And then he talks about it being swallowed up by a permanent dwelling. And I have this image of my head of like a little like Coleman camping tent. And all of a sudden this mansion just goes, and just gets slammed down on top of it, right? Um, like it just swallows it up. That's what he actually, the imagery he's going to use. Like, like the immortality is just going to swallow up mortality. Something better is just going to totally take away all the temporary. And this is, what he says in verse 8, as we look at the things, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The things that are unseen are eternal. Like, like all the stuff. It's light, it's momentary, you, you're momentary. And for some reason, the God of the universe has decided to pour himself into us and empower us to shine the light of Jesus Christ to everyone around us. And what a great and amazing, humbling gift that is. Like in every moment of every day, it's like we were talking about last week where Paul opens up every letter by saying grace and peace to you. Like every situation I walk into, I get to walk into and be like, man, grace and peace to you. And so, Australia, I shouldn't walk into cross-country practice at 6.20 in the morning, cranky, like, oh, so tired. Kids wouldn't get around fast enough today. But I should walk in grace and peace to my cross-country team to show them the light of Jesus Christ. And so worship team, we walk into cross-country cross practice. Worship practice. We're having cross-country practice now instead of worship. We walk into to worship practice together on Sunday mornings and it's not, oh, I haven't had my coffee yet. I hope these jokers practice their songs this week. Like, but it's walking in with like grace and peace because the light of Jesus Christ, like if Moses was part of a law that brought so much awareness of sin, but now we're part of a new covenant that brings freedom through Jesus Christ, how much more do we reflect the glory of God? Like, that's the whole story right there. And so we walk into our coworkers, and it's not, oh, it's Monday. Like, it, it, that kills me. That kills me. Like, when you talk to people, like, yeah, it's another Monday. And I'm like, yeah, but this is one of the days of our life. Have you, like, none of us know how many of those we get. This is Monday. Like, I, that, 
or or then on Friday everyone's like thank God it's Friday and I'm like it was Monday and that was actually a day God gave us too I, I'm not trying to be judgmental I know I get what people try I'm not trying to seem like I'm way better than everybody else because like you guys shouldn't hate Monday I'm saying like like God gave you Monday like Monday would be like in your life would be like a jar of clay it's this weak day it's this weak day that I don't know if I can do anything it's hard and he wants to use it to show himself to the people around you. And Monday will end. It's light and it's momentary. Will you stand with me? I'm I get pretty I get pretty worked up about like science and especially like space and stuff like that. The moon just totally fascinates me. Um, and I won't go into a bunch of stuff on it, but here's the moon. It's 240,000 miles away. Um, some of you have cars that have gone that far, right? And it's just a piece of rock in the sky. And on a dark night, it can shine so brightly. And it's not a light source itself. It, it's just reflecting the sun. And like for me, that speaks volumes to me because that's my thing. I love the moon. So I'm like, oh my goodness, I can shine brightly in the darkness. The other night we had a bonfire and it was just crazy how much that fire just lit up the whole area all around us. It's like no matter what we would try to do, like, like, you weren't going to be able to cover up that fire. And that's what Jesus said. Like, a city on a hill, it can't be hidden. You are the salt of the earth. You are a city on a hill. I'm reminded of the song we sang when I was a kid. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.